The Lord be with you, Pillar Church. My name is Tim Brown, as introduced, and I'm so grateful uh, to John, our pastor, my son, who has invited me into this Revelation series. And isn't this some kind of a book? Uh, remarkable. Uh, there are a lot of people who don't think very highly of the book of Revelation. I'm not one of them. I think it's a great gift to the church. It comes to us in a time of crisis, and it leads us uh, into great service for the kingdom. Um, I, wanna, I want you to know, though, that I have uh, joining me, you can't see them but because they're tucked away in my heart, are a long list of young people with wonderful names like Santos, Esmeralda, Tony, RJ, Isabella. These are all students in the Holland Public Schools. Something has happened to me sitting here at the end of the service. John or one of the other pastors will say to us, um, you're about to enter every sphere of public life. And, and one day I was sitting there and I thought, you know, I've retired. I'm, I'm not doing that. I go to my Bible studies. I study my own Bible. I preach here and there from time to time. But I'm not entering public life. And then that, coupled with all the signs you see around town like subs needed, I thought to myself, that's it. That's what I need to do. And so I've been in all these different schools, and it has opened my eyes to the, the need and to the grandeur of God in every sector of public life. Well, I might say more about that in a moment, but right now I want you to uh, listen with me to the book that we love. Before we do that, let's pray together. Father, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our single concern, in whose name we pray, amen. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that they would not blow upon the earth or the sea or against any tree. I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of God and calling out with a loud voice to the four angels saying, do not harm the earth with wind blowing against the sea or any tree until we have sealed saints for God and marked them. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed out of every tribe of the people of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 
12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 sealed. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, tribe, and people and language standing before the throne of God, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God and to the Lamb. Then one of the elders addressed me and said, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, sir, you are the one who knows. And he said to me, these are those who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God day and night, worshiping him within his temple and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. I think I'll stop there. You get the point, don't you? What strikes me about this is the relationship between the sealed and the sprawling number of from every nation and tribe and people. So what did you make of that? From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000, from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. What a gift that God has chosen a people for himself, and they belong to him. This great roll call of all the tribes is God's way of assuring Israel that he is their God, and nothing will come and harm them. He will be faithful to them, throughout all generations. In fact, you can hear a psalm in that, can't you? God has sealed a people for himself, and we belong to him. You know, I, I just think that's such a remarkable thing. We belong to God. You know, I've been a teacher at the seminary for a very long time, but before that, I was a pastor just like your pastors. Most of my years as a pastor, I served a church on the south side of town, Christ Memorial. When we came to Holland in 1983 with our band of small children, um, I, was eager, uh, I was eager to be a good pastor. And I was eager to be a good calling pastor. There was a member of the congregation whom um, I came to uh, admire a great deal. His name was Phil Toppin. He, at the time, was the director of admissions at Hope College. What we didn't know right then was that he was also dying. Leukemia was going to take him. I would visit his home out on, off of South Shore Avenue with some regularity. Uh, Phil was a big Chicago Cubs fan, 
And it just happened in 1984 that the Cubs won the Eastern Division of the National League. Uh, they would lose the National, they wouldn't be the champions of the National League. That went to the San Diego Padres. You don't need to hear any of that. But the point is that I would visit Phil with some regularity. And his family had framed and put above the television where he, where he and I were watching all of these games, and he would watch many others, they had a sign that said this, I belong to God. And he did. He didn't belong to his cancer. He didn't belong to his uh, grim prognosis. He belonged to God. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 sealed. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 sealed. God has the capacity to seal us and to keep us. Um, which makes me think, and I'll bet you thought it before me, of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is our only comfort in life and in death that I with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Out of all of the tribes of Israel, God chose them and sealed them. And that's a larger metaphor for God choosing and sealing us. We belong to God. Huh. Um, but there's something interesting. How do you get from sealing of the 12 tribes of Israel to these sprawling nations. Well, after this I looked, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Well, you get from the sealing of Israel to the opening up of God's heart of love through the people of God. God's people were not called just to be cozy and intimate with one another. They were called and chosen to be instruments of righteousness in the world. That's why I love that thing that we say at the end of church. You are about to enter every sphere of every sector of public life to claim it for Christ. Israel got that. The disciples got that. Jesus certainly understood that, which is why he said to his disciples, you are my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The apostle Paul got that, which is why he felt compelled to respond to the voice of the, the vision from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul was tireless in his efforts to take the gospel to everyone everywhere. Jesus Christ intends for us to be his witnesses in the church and in the world. That's how you get from the tribalism of Israel to the expansive, unending heart of God for the entire world. Jesus Christ is calling us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. How important is this for Pillar Church to embrace? For all of us to embrace individually and all together. It's critical. This is a difficult time that we live in. 
so happy that the pandemic seems to be ending, but that doesn't stop the need for the gospel in all the world. You know, let me tell you a story. I may have shared this with you once before, but I love it so much. Probably the most illustrious graduate of Western Theological Seminary was a man named Harvey Hookstra. Harvey from a little village in northwest Minnesota um, came to Western Seminary. And when he left, he left with a burden for the gospel being proclaimed everywhere. He was a very bright man and he had a particular gift with languages. So when he and his wife, Levina, graduated from the seminary, they took a steamship to England and went to Selly Oaks College where he learned how to become a linguist. When his time of training was over, they took their two little children, boarded a ship, and sailed all the way across the planet to Africa. They docked in Addis Ababa and then took a caravan with several people hacking their way through thick jungles to find the Masingo people who lived along the Godari River Valley. This was pioneer missionary work. The Masingos did not even have a language. So Harvey, I mean, they had a language, but it was nothing was recorded. So Harvey had to learn the language, befriend the people, become trusted by them, and then finally figure out a way to articulate the gospel. And it was going so well. The Masingos, a warring tribe, found this white couple from Minnesota, which they had never heard of, curious, and their little children, both blondies and white as white could be. So Harvey finally pieced together a language, but there were no conversions. One night during the monsoon season, oh, I should back up to tell you that Harvey Hookstra uh, lives, lived for the longest time and retired in Escondido, California. In my tenure at the seminary, I would make several trips to California uh, to friends and donors up the Central Valley. Uh, I would most often go a day early ahead of anyone else I was traveling with so that I could land at LAX, drive down to Escondido and spend an afternoon with Harvey Hookstra. I rem one of my very last visits with him, I asked him how I could pray for him. He said, well, please pray that the uh, heart congestion, the heart failure that I'm having could be cleared up because I've been invited to speak to the National Convention of the Odola Presbyterian Church in Ethiopia. He was so excited about the opportunity to return. Well, he did return. And when he returned, landing on the airstrip that he himself had built 40 years before were 
10,000 Masingo people waiting to greet Odola. I didn't tell you that, but um, the Masingos didn't like the name Harvey, so they called him Odola. And now the entire church, which became multiple times larger than the Reformed Church in America that sent he and his wife there, they were waiting for him. This is how the gospel expands from the sealing of the, of the 12,000 to the expansion around the entire world. This is God's heart's desire. Um, I'm going to read for you just a little excerpt from Leslie Newbigin's book, Truth to Tell, the Gospel as Public Truth. These are lectures that were first given uh, in the early 90s at Western Theological Seminary. But just listen to this. The church lives by the faith to put it in a truncated form. Jesus is Lord. That means he is Lord not only of the church, but of the world. Not only in the religious life, but in all life. Not merely over some peoples, but over all peoples. He is not just my Savior, but the Savior of the world. We have no way in which we can demonstrate the truth of that claim by reference to some supposedly more ultimate reality. If it is true, it is true for all and must not be concealed from anyone. I'm going to say that again. If it is true, it is true for all and must not be concealed from anyone. That's his way of saying every nation and tribe and people and language, God intends for his name to cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. And we are the agents who do that. Oh, that's terrific. Now, I need to wrap up. I've gone on too long, I'm sure. Uh, but I want, to, I want you to take note of what gives all of this its energy and power. And it's here. The elder says to John, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? And then John turns it back on the elder and says, you know, and the elder said, these are those who have come out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is central to the work of God, the redeeming of God. How does the old hymn go? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and every sinner plunge beneath that flow lose all their guilty stains. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So says the author to the Hebrews in, in a very similar way. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ's blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I love the way that John pulls his phone out to share quotes with us. And um, I'm going to do that right now. 
Listen to Charles Spurgeon on the blood of Jesus. The precious blood of Christ is useful to God's people in a thousand ways. We indeed, we indeed can speak of 12 of them. Get that, he's gonna now list off 12 different ways that the blood of Jesus is effective for us. I'll just read the last one. And now, is this blood to be had? Can it be gotten by anyone? Yes, it is free, as well as full of virtue, free to every soul that believeth. Whoever cares to come and trust in Jesus shall find the virtue of the blood, in his case, this very morning. Take away from your own works and doings. Turn those eyes of yours to the full atonement made, to the utmost ransom paid. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That is such a wonderful gift. Um, I, I really need to wrap this up, but I want you to realize that when we come to the table in just a few moments, you're going to hear someone say, the body of Christ broken for you. And then another person, the blood of Christ shed for you. God has cleansed us and made us whole. What a gift. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray with me, please. Father, we bless you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And no longer do we need to cower in fear, but to stand straight before you who have cleansed us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.